Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Welcome back. Um, As we're doing this this morning, does anybody have a testimony they want to share? Anything of what God's doing or has done or is going to do or... You got over an illness? Anybody? Anybody want to share anything? Okay, I will share one then. And uh, mine is an old one that's still a goodie. So this is wonderful. And I'll even share a psalm with it. So 48 years ago, in a couple of days, I got born again. So in a new and living way. And it was, uh, I've shared it in here several times during teachings and stuff, but it was a a phenomenal encounter for me, and my life has never been the same since then. I've never known a day without God. Uh, He has always been with me. I've never had uh, a feeling of doubt. I think, like all of us, there were times I went through dryness or wondering what I was doing. I never had to wonder what God was doing. And uh, whenever I did need to know, he let me know quite clearly. And so February, the time of February has always been a time of, um, ever since then, of where I really feel like I either get dreams or I hear God clearly and stuff, and it happened again just the other night. So I had a wonderful dream about Paul the Apostle, and uh, it was really, it was sad, but it was wonderful, but it was about his life, and it went, it's when he must have been an older man, and a very interesting dream, and Mike Nobrigo, you'll like this, you can tell our our mutual friend. He looked like Andy Comiskey. And uh, I don't know if Andy would like that or not, but he, I thought it was Andy in the dream. And I, I said, Andy, what are you? And he said, I'm not Andy, I'm Paul. And I said, Paul who? And so you can imagine how the Lloyd in all his smartness missed the fact until he started explaining to me. And then he, he just spoke to me about his life and where he was at. And I'm not going to go into detail. It was a dream for me, not for everybody else. So, but I appreciate that, that the Lord speaks to us in times and seasons. And, uh, and I'm certainly, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the journey of life that God has, has brought me through and with. And I'm so thankful for the charismatic movement. And uh, the spirit, what that used to be called, I don't like using that language anymore, but what was called the spirit-filled life back then and how, how God energized my life through the experiential working of the Holy Spirit in my life and the Holy Spirit in other people's lives and how that occurred and everything. And I, I don't necessarily agree or abide with everything that the charismatic movement reported or showed or anything like that, like all movements, they can get, I think, somewhat off track. And um, I will never try and be a movement. I will just try to be a person who's accepted in the beloved. So this was the psalm that the Lord gave me uh, after my salvation experience. Uh, and uh, for the first two years, I didn't, I didn't understand it. And I couldn't understand the Bible very well when I, the first two years, uh, of being born again, uh, unlike other people, I read the Bible and it sounded like either Greek or algebraic equations to me. I mean, I, I just, I would read it and I go, what? And it didn't make any sense. And then I tried to read it like you should all books from the beginning. 
And the first part of Genesis was okay. And then I sort of like got a few things out of it. But then by the time you got into Deuteronomy and Numbers, I got lost, really lost. And it was just like, this is not helping. But this is the first psalm that I, I received from the Lord. I think you'll like it. And I think many of us are familiar with it. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in the old languages and fear it should be love, worship. Many will see it in worship and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not reject, excuse me, and does not respect the proud or such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And that's my testimony this morning, that God's thoughts towards me and the stories that I have in my life can't be numbered. If I started telling you the God stories in my life, we would be here for days and days because he has just been with me. And so that is my testimony this morning, and it is a good testimony to have. 48 years. Yes. Yeah. So I um, have struggled for quite a long time with just trying to get free, from, healed from the way I grew up, you know, and I've availed myself to everything, counseling, you know, prayer ministry, I've gone, you know, direct ministry from the Lord, and, and they're just, I just felt like a, there were some stuck places and I didn't know what was going on, and a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord, I'm always asking him, you know, Lord, I want to be free from the fear and the shame and all the stuff that got in, and I still can operate out of that. And then with grace, I'm, I'm catching myself more, you know, quickly and just retraining how I'm thinking. But he just, he said to me that he came to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I just, as I sat with him for a while, he just showed me, this and I'm just going to read it just for my because I wrote it down. Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, including the unrighteous words spoken against us and unrighteous deeds done against us, even the deeds and words we've done against ourselves. His blood cleanses us from all the unrighteous acts and words lodged in our souls and our bodies from the past. He cleanses it all because he paid the price for it all. So I always knew he cleansed me from my unrighteous, sinful nature, but I just sat that day and let him cleanse out the crud from others and from the way I grew up, and I feel like something changed. Because I took, was looking at it so small, but it's huge. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, lies we've believed, things done against us, and he just keeps on cleansing so man I receive that and I believe that that is a good word a very good word why do you behave 
Yeah. Yeah. Why are you nice and not naughty? Good. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Why are you good? Are you good? Are you moral? Why? It's not a trick question. You can keep answering. Shout out. Who's heard something? Huh? Say it a little bit louder. Christ in us. us. Good. Is that a law? I think I find. Go ahead. I think I find some of my identity in that. Like if I if I'm acting against what I believe is moral or true, I I feel I feel crummy about it because it's not who. Feel guilty. Believe I am. Well, yeah, but. It just feels in conflict with who I believe I am. Ah, the great conflict. (laughs) We don't like ourselves when we're not good, when we're not nice. Yeah. Yeah, The end result is better than the short-term satisfaction of not being good. Okay. So the the short-term satisfaction of not being good is not a good payoff for being good. Is that... Am I reading that? Yeah, just in the end, I'm going to feel better about myself and be more at peace. Good. How did you learn that? <laughs> ah. My mom taught me how to behave. Ah. So, you're the one. Uh, does God have a grip on us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In what way? He keeps us. He, he explain, elaborate. He keeps us in his son. Keeps us in his son. These aren't trick questions. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I want to know how you think. He gives us a free will. Can that free will do good? Can it do bad? Is it in trouble with God if it does bad? Heavy questions, aren't they? Are you a good person? How many think you're good? Are the rest of you in deep yogurt? <laughs> so I'm trying, the reason I'm asking the questions is we all develop a set of core values regarding our lives. And when it comes to the question of God and who we are, we develop a sort, what you went through, my, you know, Laurie, about 
looking back at what happened to me when I was younger, my family, and we start establishing values in our heart. And then even when we do what happened with me, getting born again 48 years ago, then I, I learned systems of how to deal with my good and bad. I think God was always trying to reach in to help me. I don't think it was bad or wrong, and I don't regret. I don't, I don't maintain regrets over the things I was taught, but I think like what you just experienced in reading from your journal, there's an ongoing journey that God takes us through in our life that reveals to us, hey, maybe your core value was in the way of what I want to do, which we can find is often true. And uh, the reason I'm sharing this is, uh, though I didn't teach last week, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in, in speaking about it, our, our journey, uh, what's called our walk in God, or to have a, a walk worthy of God or everything, is we were all taught different things. Um, some of the teachings were really good. Some of the teachings, I tell you, they need to be dumped, and they were really off. And so the, re the question I got asked and talked to about was, it seems like you do a lot of deconstructing of things that we were taught. And yes, I, I want to freely say guilty <laughs> this morning of doing that, of deconstructing and trying to um, encourage you to embrace a new and different way of living, a fresh new look at scriptures in your own life and your own heart, and what causes you to build values over what you think is right and wrong. Um, the great message of grace, one of the biggest criticisms about it is, well, you become anti-law. Um, because, of, and believe it or not, it's because of the doctrines and theology that we've been taught that's mixed up. And mo most of you don't have a pure theology. <laughs> I didn't. And by that I mean there, there's three primary pure views of, of theology that have been taught to the church in our day and age and in our time. So uh, one of them is called the, the theology of dispensation or dispensationalism. And I'm not going to give you a history lesson, but it, it just goes through. It grew out of the 19th century church of literalism and fundamentalism. You've probably heard those terms. What did they mean? Well, it meant that the Bible said what it said and it, that it was literal and it wasn't symbolic. And therefore, enabled to, for people to understand it, they set it up that there were dispensations. They put it into historical context and that there were dispensations of time and building towards that. Now, there's some good things in it. There's some things that are just absolutely terrible. I will just say that. So it's not to argue with somebody who's a dispensationalist, but um, it's very difficult. Then there's another theology uh, that is called uh, reform theology. So does that mean a reformed church? Yes. Reformed church is evangelical. It includes Presbyterianism, and they follow a theology that's called reform. And what that th theology did is it pulled in Old Testament scriptures and New Testament scriptures, just like dispensationalism, and looked at and combined the two covenants, both the Old Covenant 
and the new covenant in order that people would have an understanding of the Bible that they thought would bring continuity. Now, there's good things about that one, and there's some things I don't believe about that one at all. And then there was another new one that came out that was called New Covenant Theology, and that was basically Baptists in its background. Why are you sharing all this? I want, I want you to hear this so we can look at something this morning and the very things you and I were talking about and why I was asking you as to why you're good. And um, New Covenant Theology believed that we don't, don't keep all the legalism from the Old Covenant except what was called the moral laws of God. So uh, it would have included that you keep the Ten Commandments, the biggies, and you bring them forward into your life to lead you through life so that you can understand the new covenant and that they're knit together and they're not ever separate and you're still required to obey what, what the covenant taught, which is a form of legalism and they're splitting theological hairs because the law... Um, doesn't really differentiate in the Old Testament between what the law of Moses was in the Ten Commandments and then the remaining uh, 603 that were added to it to go with it. So there was the Ten Commandments and then there were a whole bunch of other ones. And um, those are the things that Paul in his writing, so all of this was an introduction, okay? You tracking with me? Is this too boring? Okay. So, Paul, it's interesting that I would have the dream about him. Paul, in his writings, made a clear delineation between, and it's what he taught, and why some people tracked with him and others didn't, but that there was a new covenant. And he took the teachings that Jesus had given to his disciples, and that Paul, in his spiritual encounters with the Lord, unfolded to him for 13 years he studied it, and he had an ongoing, uh, what theologians today call the revelation of Paul, uh, which Paul, the Lord unpacked to, to Paul the meaning of what Christ's life did. His death, uh, his life, his death, his resurrection, and what that meant for humankind. And it was extremely disruptive. You know, why was Paul so disliked? Because most of the believers that were coming into following Jesus were Jews that were still going to a synagogue and still believed in following the law. And then Paul comes in and goes, you don't have to do that anymore. As a matter of fact, it's open to everybody. And God not only showed Paul that, but he showed Peter that. And he said, all can come in. All can be doing that. And then Paul did this stuff where he said, there's not Jew or Greek anymore. He broke the dividing wall that was between them as to who could enter into the covenant with God, a promise of God making an agreement, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's what a covenant is. When you sign a covenant to buy property, you sign in the line, you say, I'll obey this. And these are the covenants in the neighborhood I live in. And I have to assign those to live in some neighborhoods. And you enter into a covenant. And that was what the covenant meant. So there's several different covenants. As we get into the new covenant, 
everything changed. Everything changed. The old covenant didn't hold sway over the new covenant. And so Paul unpacked for us over and over and over again what he meant by that. He had to because for some reason we like old things. We set up, if you will, heart values centered around certain things that we were taught and that we were due and that we experienced or our families experienced and how we related. And that can go into religion and how we worship God and what we believe. The reason most believers and followers of Jesus today, um, we actually have a pick and choose society. So we tend to grab the things that we like, that we hear. And I want to be moral, don't you? Now remember I asked you a question, why do you want to? I want to be moral, and so that means it says don't do this so that I can know that I'm on track. If you do these things, you're moral. If you do these things, you're immoral. And then there has to be a price paid, right? If something's wrong, then the price is paid for that. And therein lies the clinker of what you believe in your theology. Because it's hard for us because we're, we're committed and we're finite beings to hearing our drumbeat of life. Boom, 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 boom. Your heart is playing out a drumbeat. So if Christ died for me, he died for the ones I did. Does that apply to the ones I'm doing? Does it apply to the ones I might do in the future? And our thinking gets caught, doesn't it? And then our values kick in over what I was taught on how to, are you tracking with me? On how do I try to obey and be good? Because I love being good, and I agree with Mike Nobrega. I don't like the feeling of not being good, and I like what, uh, what you said over here. <sighs> don't like that feeling of guilt. And sin makes you guilty. Makes you feel guilty. You do it wrong. You knew it was wrong. And uh, isn't it amazing how as we carry our values through our teen years and young adult years and into to adult years, we never really, if, if we are Christians, I don't need to be told that something is wrong. I know it immediately. You get into that. Even if you're tempted. Now, temptation isn't sin. Sin is sin. Temptation is temptation to sin. But even that temptation to sin can make me feel unclean and dirty. Why is that? Well, the real core value for the believer in Christ is this, is because you're new. You've been made new. And so we find this wonderful scripture about a commandment. So the scripture says this in John 13, and Jesus is instituting, so this is when he's in the upper room, it's before he goes to the cross, and he gives a promise to his disciples that all of us were supposed to hear. He said, that's what I want to show you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another 
as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the thing that was new about it, because the old covenant of the law had it within it, it was just different. So we all know the great commandment, yes? You shall, actually it starts with hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then it goes into, you shall love the Lord your God. And the second is like unto it, you shall. How'd you do with that one? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? No, I didn't like my neighbor. No offense. <laughs> she literally is my neighbor. What are they doing now? If I was able to love somebody as myself, actually what it instilled in me was some sort of pride that I was doing well. But most of the time I felt pretty guilty because I couldn't love them. And truth be known, if we really got under the cover of that book and looked through that book of life of ourselves, we didn't even like ourselves, let alone love ourselves. Because we didn't realize that we were new and that we were born again and that we were a completely brand new creation. And that that was the covenant that Jesus was instilling. And that's why he could actually give a command with it. So as followers of Jesus, do we have to live in the commands of the Bible? One. A new commandment I give to you. Now it's many layered. Because we're supposed to do that in a way that we love other people the way Christ loves us. So it's one of the reasons I talk about God's unhindered love to you. Because if you don't ever realize the manner in which God loves you, how do you do that with others? And that's his command. Does God want you to be good? He wants you to be him. And he wants to be you. And he created a way for that to happen in that we call, we call it being born again. I'm born into a new and living way. The promise in the Old Testament that was given to them over this, and them is us now, both through Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah the prophets, there was a promise coming that there would be a new covenant. And the new covenant was this. I will take out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I will change you so that you become new. Jesus, when he's speaking to Nicodemus, puts it in language, you have to be born again. As a matter of fact, he says it in such a way. It's funny that we talk to unbelievers about being born again. Because you can't even see the life of God, the kingdom of God, unless you're born again. <laughs> and you can't receive it. It's an interesting concept. 
So do we live in newness of life? Do you and I do this? Well, often when we haven't been being good, the true answer is no. I don't do that. I try to set up a negotiation plea with God that I promise I'll try and be better the next time. And please don't correct and discipline me in such a way that it's embarrassing and humiliating and everybody else finds out. I love the corrections of God until it's public. Or I have to own it in public, and then it's humiliating. And I know this is very real this morning, but seriously, that's what we go through instead of understanding that Jesus loves me at all times. You know, I have this wonderful little video of my, of my granddaughter uh, learning a Betty Boop song. Anybody know who Betty Boop was? You know, and she sings it, you know, she does the, the little boop-de-boop. 1920s little girl, you know. I love you to the moon and back. Boop boop be doop. <laughs> God gave his life so that we could have life. And he instilled in you a new heart. Not an old heart that's trying to be new. Not an old nature that got polished up but a brand new you that he called a, Paul said it's a new and living way that we walk in. Peter talked about it and he said, we've been set free from darkness and brought in to light. It's just so stunning that God would choose to do it this way. So what's new about the commands of God? And it is a command. Yes, because in those promises, this is what the promise was. Going clear back to the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to write my laws, where? In your heart. So what's written on your heart? Did it mean you shall love the Lord your God? With all, was that written there? What law is written on your heart? A new commandment. You would love the way you have been loved. So what is your onus in walking in the law? Being lawful. It's to receive the love of God and to distribute it to others the way it was given to me. And the journey of life is finding out what God actually gave to us. Instead of figuring out why do I keep doing that, why do I keep saying that? Though there's a journey in that that's wonderful and explorative, but God always leads it back to where you got led to. Is if we're new, then walk in the newness because even when it doesn't feel like it's new, it is. And that's described in one word that's called faith. I believe what Jesus did. When I struggle to be good morally, it's not an issue of right and wrong. It's an issue of am I walking in newness of life? When that changes, then my dependence 
changes. And everything about it changes. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Oh, not too much. Here's the law of God that is written on your heart and what we're supposed to do with it if we're to love one another. It's found in Galatians. Galatians is such an interesting book because it starts out with attacking legalism from the old covenant being brought forward into the new covenant. And Paul's admonition, don't do that, it doesn't work. It'll bewitch you. Your thinking will go insane. You won't be able to think through it sanely. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, what kind? Any trespass. You who are spiritual, are you spiritual? What does that mean? Are you born again? Is the life of Christ in you? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily, he doesn't say with the same thing. It's just when I start picking at your life to decide why you fell that way, I better be careful because I could fall in another way. And what is restoration? Well, the restoration is always, always in our lives to return to being born again. What has God done? And to receive it fresh and new because there's only one cleansing for sin. There isn't another way to do it. The way on, John Wimber said, is the way in. I keep moving on in Christ the same way I came in in Christ, which is through faith and receiving being born again. So that's how we're to restore in gentleness someone else. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the burden he's talking about? Lack of money? What is the burden that he's, do you think he's talking about here? Pick it apart. I know I'm making you th put on your thinking caps. Go back to the first part of the sentence. If any man is overtaken in trespass, what's, that's the burden he's talking about. When you or I stumble and we're with other people, the other people who are spiritual are to restore that one. To what? Their understanding of being born again. Of God's unhindered love for them. And that there aren't things in the way. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one of you shall bear his own load. <sighs> What's he saying? It's really hard for me to hook a cart to my life and pick up your stuff. I can do it for a while, but if I'm the corrector, then all of a sudden the carts keep building up and suddenly I have a freight train with 127 cars behind me that's called the people I know. And it becomes so hard and so confusing. 
and I miss my way because I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ, which is to love in this way. I become an ambassador. Be reconciled to God. If you did something where you don't feel clean and you feel dirty, my gosh, come to Jesus. He never went anyplace. He's still there. He didn't go away. He can't. It's the new way. He said, in the understanding of the new God, I will be their God and they will be my people. I won't leave. I won't forsake them. How do we get restored? I run back into the arms of Jesus. How do we teach our kids? Teach them that was wrong, but run into Jesus' arms because he can take care of it. And guilt the guilt and the shame off your life because you were designed to walk in newness of life, not in oldness polished up. When we try and find different ways through our value sets to bring it into the now, it doesn't work. And so when we do that with others, we've got a long freight train with a lot of cars with a lot of junk in them, and it really doesn't help the other person. How do I love somebody the same way that Jesus loved me? Do we not correct? Oh, you can hold up a mirror, but that mirror better be reflecting Christ to them because if not, it's not going to fix them. They won't like you. They will reject you and they will hide from you and they will stop being your friend. Anybody experience that? From either side, either the one that's trying to... So I was told at one point in time in my upbringing of church is that small groups were there so that we could fix each other. Oh, worst reason on earth to have a small group. That'll last, yeah, about three meetings. Or the information broker that's in the group that gathers all the different information that's in the know that sometimes lets it out a little bit, at least enough to help them. <clears throat> Let you who are spiritual restore such one. How are we restored? By coming back to the new covenant of promise. I don't know if you do everything right or everything wrong. I do care in the sense I want the best for you. But I know this above all things, that anything that you've done has been cleansed by the blood. So I can listen to you, and then my advice to you is this. Where we started this morning, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Always remember who you really are, who God said you are. When you're dealing with somebody else, the way that you can love them, not as yourself, but as Christ has loved me, remember who they are. Remind them who they are. Don't take them through a strain of old covenant concepts. Take them right up to this new covenant law, the law of Christ. It's in our life. He wrote it right here. I don't have to have somebody tell me or explain it to me. Neither do you. Neither do you. 
And if you feel any guilt or shame, there's only one cleansing that occurs. Oh, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Should we talk to each other? Sure, you should. But I have no stones to throw at you, nor do I have the seven steps of correction where you can be right with God again. There's only one way to be right with God, and that's to be right with God, and that's to receive what he did. It's an amazing concept, isn't it? It's hard, and it's simple. It's complex, and it, 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 it's almost, you know, so many people, we say this, is it too good to be true? No, it's so good it is true. Because the law of Christ is this. It's Romans 8, 1 and 2. This is the law. It's also called the law of life. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus are born again. For the law of the spirit of life the law of Christ, has set me free from what? The law of sin and death. I'm free. If I understand I'm free, then I can love you as Christ <laughs> loved me. I'm free. You can be free. I don't have seven steps for you to do. I have one thing to remind you. Jesus loves you. This I know. The Bible tells me so that you are completely accepted in the beloved for all time. That's stunning. You who are spiritual can restore such a one who has stumbled. We have a tendency to throw rocks at them. We don't have to. And whatever you do as a parent, please don't throw rocks at your kids. Show them how to be restored to God and then he'll never leave them or forsake him in their learning process of what's right or wrong inside of them and help them through that journey should they be punished. You work that out with the lawkeeper who is Jesus. Sometimes discipline helps and the law becomes our tutor till we come to Christ. Even in our own lives. Pray with me. Lord, we receive the law of Christ again into our minds and hearts, our ideas of life, what's right and wrong, what should and shouldn't be. Oh, that this law would come in and enter in. You write it on the tablet of our heart, your word says. That which is written cannot be erased. It won't get thrown down. It won't get broken. You won't leave it because it's you. Lord, for each one of us this morning, wherever our thoughts were trailing off to, whatever mindsets were keep us in the boundaries of our pain, lift us out of that. Bring us into the marvelous light of your Son and that we are new covenant believers. We believe in what you did. There is no other way. We receive it again into our hearts that you would... Uh, what your word says that we would be set free and free indeed into every one of our thoughts and ways and accomplishments. So help us, God, in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good hanging out with you guys.